of facts to fight off the liberal gaslighting. You can be in the middle of a hurricane. You have sanctuary in the city of Chicago. Or you can be on a calm day. North is still north. You could be in a thunderstorm. I am angry. We are not going back. Not ever. North is still north. People can yell at you. The hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them. North is still north. It doesn't change fundamental things. And in this business, right is still right, even if you stand by yourself. We don't get fooled again. No, no. Live across the fruited plain and from sea to shining sea, we are converting the Marxist left one hour at a time on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. America and beyond the fruited plain. Welcome home to the Wendy Bell Radio program. Starting off another busy broadcasting week of fabulosity for you. Great to be with you. Lots to talk about today. And I think if there's a theme, there's always somebody out there, ladies and gentlemen, who's watching, who's got your back. You don't know it. It happens at strange times. Sometimes you don't even know it. And then it happens to you. Because it happened to me this weekend. And I'm going to share that story with you. We've got big news out of those three elite universities that failed to be able to describe that calling for the murder of a certain kind of people is completely unacceptable on their college campus. One down, two to go. We've got those details for you. Al Al Gore, Captain Blowhard. (laughs) He's got some audio sound bites today that you've got to hear about. And some polling, which I think is very illustrative of where we are in the momentum chain. I think things are going in our favor. And I think we've got lots to talk about, lots to celebrate. It's going to start with a personal story right after this. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. I told you Friday it has not hit me yet, this whole holiday spirit. The clock is ticking. We've got, what, two weeks to go? Two weeks from today? Oh, my gosh. Was not in the spirit, did not have a tree. My house is under construction. Things are everywhere. I've got one kid sleeping in a basement bedroom, one in a basement couch. Everything is upside down. I just haven't had it. But by the, I believe and I think all of you do as well that creating something special, no matter what your means or your life circumstance in the moment, particularly around the holidays, is significant because our children are paying attention. They're watching. They're listening. They're smelling. Is there anything better than a, than a kitchen with Christmas cookies in the oven? I haven't had it. I haven't felt it. haven't wanted to. Yesterday morning, I woke up. The only child of mine who was up was my son, Jack. He was watching soccer on the, 
on the couch in the living room and I came downstairs and I said, Jack, I, I have to go. I'm going to go to Home Depot as unholiday Christmas-y-ish as that sounds. I bet that the Home Depot right around the corner has Christmas trees, small ones that can go in a smaller space. And, and I'm going to go and I'm going to go grab one. And I looked at him and he looked at me and I said, and of course, you're, will it, you're welcome to come with me if you'd like. No pressure. I wasn't prepared for my son to get right up out of that chair, put on his shoes and say, let's go. We drove to Home Depot and I have to say it was at at Home Depot where I started getting in the holiday spirit. Because it's dressed as as Christmas, price gouging Christmas. (laughs) Oh, welcome to capitalism and Bidenflation. But it was all Christmas trees and little shrubs and wreaths and hanging things and red ribbon and shiny ornaments. And pumping through the whole place was the Christmas Carol soundtrack. And Jack methodically walked down all these eight to nine foot Christmas trees with me. Fraser firs. And patiently would take one out and stomp it so that the, the branches would fall a little bit and twirl it around. And he did this dance with me for about 20 minutes until we find our, found our tree. Went up to the guy, very friendly guy wearing a, a Santa cap. Delighted to be working. How refreshing. Going above and beyond, trimming all of the little warts and the little problems along the trunk. Giving us a clean clean slice of it so it could drink up lots of water. Bailed it for us. Got home, Jack got it out of the car, into the house, and into the tree stand for me. Do you know how many times I've done that by myself? A working husband, five kids at school needed to get done, the rush of the holiday, the pressure of the shopping, got to get the holiday card out. What are we going to do about such and such? How many times I've put that tree up all by myself? And there's just something not very Christmassy about that. Jack was on his hands and knees, making sure it was just so, tightening the screws on the tree stand. And then he went downstairs. He was gone for a while. I had no idea what he was doing. And he came upstairs with the beautiful tree skirt my mom had gave us, had given us 20 years ago. And lovingly laid it around the bottom of it, filled it with water. And I was in the holiday spirit. My other boys woke up, went into the basement unasked, got all the decorations out, started buzzing around the house. Garland, reeds, even some of those kind of freaky nutcrackers. Those went out, the cookie jars, Santa's everywhere. Little snow village with a fake snow, sweet twinkling lights, and then Ryan went outside and he got every haphazard line of of misfit Christmas lights that we have and he plugged them together and he strung them up outside and it looks awful (laughs) and perfect at the same time it's almost like they knew for some reason I didn't have it in me my kids had it in them and they worked together and they whistled and they chatted and they poked fun at each other and they decorated and I felt complete isn't it so true it's not about the stuff when you have little kids you feel obligated need to give stuff stuff grows into bigger stuff more expensive stuff 
more demands of stuff and then along the way the joy of what happened yesterday kind of gets lost in the shuffle because it is not the things it's not the decorations it's not even the smell of the cookies it is being with people you love because you've created that two weeks from today ladies and gentlemen lots of expectations on the line lots to do take it easy with yourself Take whatever time you need to figure out where you are with that. I know a lot of you parents out there are saying, oh my gosh. Because what I learned yesterday was that the most wonderful gift I could ever give my kids, they were giving back to me. They were creating the environment that I've given to them for so many years. And I gave it back. They hear everything that we say. They watch everything that we do. The little things, the big things, the disappointments, the triumphs. And it is not perfect in any capacity. Much like our Christmas tree. It's a little measly, a little scrawny, a couple of spots that need to be filled in by hanging ornaments. And it is entirely perfect. And I want to thank my boys for that. They didn't do it on purpose. Nobody said it. There was no plan. It just happened. And just four hours later, a hundred percent different mood. Someone always has your back, ladies and gentlemen. You don't know it. You don't know it. You don't hear it. You might not see it, but it is there. And that's going to be some pervasive theme that pumps through today's program. The people who have been wronged in this country for standing up and speaking out, be they people as important as Donald Trump or Alex Jones or any of the cardiologists slash doctors who've blown the whistle on COVID abnormalities and vaccine injuries, all of these people who've dared to step forward and do something and say something and risk everything. They've done this on our behalf. There's always someone fighting. But I can report to you the same way I feel in my heart that I'm ready for the holidays. I see the change. I see and feel the shift, the momentum the reality of what has gone on these last several years that has been so unfair and so punishing and so un-American and so unbelievable is coming forward and opening up and everybody is seeing it. And more and more people are saying something and they're pushing back. And that is such a great reason to be joyful, my friends. We're going to give you a little round robin today. Take you through various stories of triumph where little people are moving forward. They've got your back. I've got proof next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. All right, so I got to drop this on you. We've got interesting poll data for you. Also interesting news out of these 
University presidents, MIT, Penn, Harvard. Penn has now folded. That gal, Liz McGill, she threw in the uh, the resignation pressure too much good. Next in the sights, the president of Harvard, Claudine Gay, and then the woman from MIT. It has become very clear that there is a line in the sand. Don't you dare, don't you dare find it beyond the realm of your commentary to say that killing other people, calling for it is completely unacceptable. The pendulum is swinging, ladies and gentlemen. How about this pendulum swinging? Nearly half of Dems say charges against Trump are politically motivated. Now, you and I could look at this and say, no, duh. This has been seven years they've been after this dude. Eight years and counting. But this is significant. All right, so here's the story. To better gauge national sentiment, presuming you've got Trump and Biden, the National Online Issues and Insights Tip Poll asked 1,301 registered voters this month a number of questions related to the upcoming primary election season. Of Trump, this poll asked two key questions. First, to what extent do you agree or disagree with the statement, the Democratic Party is using the law to try to prevent Trump from running in the 2024 election. Big topic of discussion, obviously both inside the Beltway and beyond. Despite mainstream media efforts to downplay the issue, calling Trump a threat to democracy, which we've widely dug through and blown apart, voters obviously not buying it. Among all voters, 60% agreed with the unpre- that the unprecedented legal charges against Trump were politically driven by the Democratic Party. 31% disagreed, so two to one margin. Yes, all of these legal charges are sp- specifically to destroy Trump's chances. And it's all executed by Democrats, 60% to 31%. What is surprising isn't the majorities of Republicans, obviously. 81% agree with that. And independents, 53% agree with that. It is a plurality of Democrats. 49% agree that the unprecedented legal charges against Donald Trump are politically driven by the Democratic Party. 49% of Democrats say yes. 45% say no. Let's get in a little bit deeper. So what if Trump is convicted of one of these four indictments he faces? Because they're still going to go back to that. 91 charges. I mean, he can't be innocent of everything, says Neil Cavuto. But what if he is? Because shouldn't we assume that he is innocent until he is proven guilty? Because he's been suspected of being guilty. He's been accused of being guilty this whole time. And yet he's never been found guilty of anything, which is very curious. What if Trump is convicted of one of the four indictments he faces? To cover that, this Issues and Insights tip poll asked a second question. This time, including only Republicans... And independent voters who lean Republican. How likely are you to vote for Donald Trump in the Republican primary, Republican presidential primary, if he's convicted of any crimes? 
72% of GOP followers say it's either very likely or somewhat likely that they would vote for the former president. Just 22% say it's either not very likely or not at all. 72% of Republican and leaning Republican independents, 72%, nearly three in four, would vote for Donald Trump if he is convicted. Among registered GOPers, 76% say it is likely they'll vote for Trump even if he's convicted, versus 20% who say it's unlikely. Biden has a 61% share of the vote among Democratic Party voters. Independent supporters in the upcoming primaries exactly equal to Trump's 61% share of the Republican side. But there is a huge difference amid growing signs of Biden's age-related mental issues. Is that what we're going with now? And clear evidence that Biden, son Hunter, and other members of his family profited from foreign governments during his time as vice president. Biden is facing growing pressure from within his own party to step aside. And media reports show Democrat insiders are, quote, concerned about Biden's concerned. They're freaking out. But there's no plan B. And unfazed by these growing calls to drop out, Biden last week said if Trump was not running, I'm not sure I'd be running. But we cannot let him win for the sake of the country. That is where we are. It is now not just for the sake of democracy. It is for the sake of more than that. It is the sake of the country that we have to prevent this guy from winning, running and winning. Do you know what is at stake, Democrats and their media operatives will say? Yes, we do know what's at stake because we've been living with the at stake since January of 2021, where suspiciously our lives completely changed for the worse. You're going to hear coming up in the hours ahead, former Attorney General Eric Holder asked questions about this investigation into Hunter Biden specifically. What Eric Holder says and accuses Donald Trump of doing should Donald Trump win re-election is going to sound very, very familiar to you because it's what we have been living through for three plus years. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the presidents of these universities, this pushback, not just to stop with the University of Pennsylvania's honcho, Liz McGill, but going after the others as well. If you don't agree that saying kill other people for the sake of your religious or fanatical views is wrong, we've got problems. And Houston? We've got problems. We'll continue this conversation moments away on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Welcome back to the Wendy Bell Radio Program. So as I said in the opening monologue, as I learned from just watching my sons kind of come out of the woodwork and do this beautiful thing to transform our house and get my mood, my spirit, my soul into the holiday... There's always somebody out there who I do believe has our back. Maybe not specifically ours, but they see what we see. And oftentimes they're in bigger positions than we are to make waves. Well, that happened over the weekend. 
WesternJournal.com, University of Pennsylvania president resigns from her post as pressure grows. You clearly don't represent the values of common sense America, Liz McGill, let alone common sense people who attended and go to presently your university. In what could be the first of several major dominoes to fall, and it feels like it is because billionaire hedge fund guy Bill Ackman is on a freaking tear. One down, two to go, he says. This is a mission now. You have failed us. You have failed how many students who have deserved to get into your university because you wanted to go out and bow down to the woke diversity, equity, and inclusion farcical idol that gave us people like Harvard's president, Claudine Gay, who, as we're going to hear in just a moment, apparently plagiarized her PhD dissertation. What? Let's stick at Penn and a Saturday letter to the, quote, Penn community. Scott Bach, who's the chair of the Penn Board of Trustees, announced that Liz McGill had, quote, voluntarily tended her resignation. Now, this is the kind of uh, pussyfooting around, though, that is irksome among those who don't have a backbone. McGill will remain a tenured faculty member at Penn's Cary Law School. Why? 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 Well, we're going to do this for optics, but we stick with ours. She's not going anywhere. Ah, Really? McGill said this. It has been my privilege to serve as president of this remarkable institution. It has been an honor to work with our faculty, students, staff, alumni, community members to advance Penn's vital missions. Where's the apology? Where's the, you know what? I suck. I sold out to that to that altar of suck. I sold out to it, and I found myself in the same predicament that Ketanji Brown-Jackson found herself in when she was asked, what is a woman? Marsha Blackburn, if I'm not mistaken. What's a woman? Well, it depends on your context. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. According to CNN, McGill will serve as interim president. Oh, goody. Until a permanent replacement is found. She's been there for a year. Follows a disastrous five-hour congressional hearing Tuesday. And she's not the only one in the crosshairs here. I want to get to this. Harvard President Claudine Gay plagiarized portions of her Ph.D. dissertation. Now, I don't want to tell you that this should be relevant, but it is relevant because Claudine Gay is a black woman. And the reason why all of these women and minorities have been put into positions like these is because of this ridiculous outcry for diversity. For what? This is what Clarence Thomas asked about in the 1990s when he said affirmative action was not something he could get behind. How do you define what diversity actually is? Well, if you look at her, she looks diverse. Maybe she's gay, too. Who knows? 
But at face value, is she the best person for the job? Is she a thought leader? Is she an innovator? Does she think outside the box? Is she deeply committed to what is right? Not what is popular or what is pushed by the global new liberal world order of suck. Let's get into these juicy tidbits, shall we? After the past week's congressional hearings, presidents of Harvard University, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and the University of Pennsylvania are, are being exposed to an amount of publicity and scrutiny that they're not used to and likely wish would go away. As we reported, the three claimed that calls for genocide against Jews needed to be placed into context before deciding whether they violated student codes of conduct. Now, of course, anybody paying attention knew that was outrageous and deeply offensive. And the backlash was swift. So was the backpedaling. Penn's president, McGill, with the desperate, I'm sorry, hours after her face plant before that House committee. Gay, now, of course, we just said, UPenn's Liz McGill, she's obviously said bye-bye in a sort of way. But now, Claudine Gay, uh, an investigative journalist named Chris Rufo, who we've had on this program, has uncovered this. As dean and then president, Claudine Gay has been accused of bullying colleagues, suppressing free speech, overseeing a racist admissions program, and following the Hamas terror campaign against Israel, failing to stand up to rampant anti-Semitism on campus. Now, Rufo has presented documentation indicating Gay may have plagiarized parts of her Ph.D. dissertation which violates Harvard's policies on academic integrity. He tweeted this. First, Gay lifts an entire paragraph, nearly verbatim, from a paper by Lawrence Bobo and Franklin Gilliam, while passing it off as her own paraphrase and language. This is a direct violation of Harvard's policy. When you paraphrase, your task is to distill the source's ideas in your own words. It's not enough to change a few words here and there and leave the rest. Instead, you must completely restate the ideas in the passage in your own words. If your own language is so close to the original, then you are plagiarizing, even if you do provide a citation. And Rufo goes through all of these things verbatim, directly verbatim, not even an attempt to fiddle with a few verbs here and there. Then, according to Rufo, Gay appears to lift material from, scho from scholar Carol Swain. And he goes through all of this stuff. Verbatim lifted from somebody else's work. And the interesting thing is, the work that she's getting her PhD on is involving diversity, blackness, etc., etc. You're a black woman. You've got to rip off somebody else's commentary. You can't think for yourself, deduce or research or extrapolate by yourself. And you're the president of Harvard University? Are you out of your mind? So that is now going on. And that's not all. Because things now are getting a little gnarly. <laughs> People are rising up and pushing back. How about this? There are now billboard trucks. They had been circulating all through Philadelphia around Penn's campus. Fire Liz McGill. Get rid of her already. Well, apparently those trucks have been diverted to Massachusetts. Truck billboards calling for university president 
Claudine Gay to be fired. Circle Harvard. This is just unfortunate, is it not? See? There's always someone out there who's got your back. Who's paying attention to what you're paying attention to. Who has more might, more resources, a bigger reach, a more vast audience. To be able to take the baton where you might not be able to. Billboard trucks were sent to Harvard's New England campus on Sunday, demanding the university's president, Claudine Gay, be fired. The trucks displayed Claudine Gay's photo along with the words, fire gay. <laughs> I don't think it gets more specific. Fire gay. Boom. Done. Claudine Gay came under fire for dismissing the calls for genocide, da-da-da. She was among the university presidents, grilled by Elise Stefanik, da-da-da. She asked Gay, you understand the use of the term intifada, rather, excuse me, brain. Gay responded, I've heard that thoughtless, reckless, and hateful language on our campus, yes. Calling it abhorrent and hateful, yet not able to say if it was a violation of any kind of campus code. What? How about just the human decency code? Ms. Gay, as a black woman, I'm sure you have felt discrimination. My, 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 how quick you are to allow it with others. One truck circled the campus while a second one is at the main gate of the school showing her conversation with Republican Elise Stefanik of New York earlier in the week. A plane, a plane. Somebody hired a plane to fly over the campus saying, Harvard, stop Jew hatred. Oh, my, my. Have we finally reached the pit of despair. Is this finally the breaking point where people wake up and say, now, now, wait a minute. I'm all for black people in positions of power. I'm all about women. Gay? Absolutely. However, dot, dot, dot. You don't share my views. Fire gay. The privately funded trucks read, accompanied by photos of Gay, while she appeared before Congress. Do you know how huge this is? This isn't just people standing back and saying, well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> I really wish she would have been a little bit more, I don't know, honest, human, moral, decent in those hearings push back now bill ackman is going after all three of these women as i said tweeting out one down two to go is this the pendulum swing back into the world of sanity back into the world of safety where our students our sons and our daughters our grandchildren can be whomever the hell they want to be without fear of someone coming after them and harming them. I thought that's what all this DEI nonsense was about until whoosh, the scab got pulled off of the ugly wound of truth. They don't care about Jews. 
I don't care about anybody. All right, when we come back. It's not just these three university presidents. It's also Dylan Mulvaney face-planting at Penn State. And Sheila Jackson Lee rolling the dice and failing in a stupendous fashion. You deserve this, and it's coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Oh, poor Dylan Mulvaney. Poor Sheila Jackson Lee, you toxic, toxic woman. Oh, who do you want to begin with? Sheila or Dylan? Okay, we'll do Dylan. Dylan Mulvaney apparently is not much of a draw on college campuses, it seems. A transgender activist, a male claiming to be a woman, for those of you, excuse me, who've been living under a rock, gave a speech at Penn State University last week. But nobody really seemed to care enough to show up. Mulvaney spoke to a half-empty auditorium, according to the Daily Mail. Yikes. That is a big yikes. For someone who craves attention like the average person craves air, that's got to be one hell of an ego blow for barely anybody to show up. Of course, the lack of audience didn't stop Mulvaney from ranting and raving about critics and the Bud Light disaster. La, 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 la. It's been a hard six months, he said, after Bud Light destroyed itself with its now infamous March Madness ad. I realized that these companies were capitalizing on my identity and my transness in a way that was really ugly, he said. I was putting my energy and identity into situations that were not safe for me, for the trans community, Mulvaney explained during the speech to like 17 people. Apparently not finding a male claiming to be a woman who is too stupid to understand sports is funny means you're creating a situation that's not safe. So that was too bad for Dylan. Your gravy train, though it's given you, I would dare say, millions of dollars in ad buys. It's not selling with the people and the youngest generation of voters. Those 18 to 22 year olds not interested in what you're peddling. This from the Western Journal. I didn't even know that Sheila Jackson Lee was running to be mayor of Houston. Did you? I didn't. So how'd she do? Somebody who's been in office, who's been in the House of Representatives for 7,000 years, one would imagine that is a machine. How would you go up against that? Well, apparently not in a hard way. Sheila Jackson Lee defeated in mayor's race, and it wasn't even close. Let's read the story. A progressive Democrat has been roundly defeated in her bid to obtain the morality, mayorality, who says that? Of what, who, in her bid to try to become the mayor of one of the nation's biggest cities. I'll give Western Journal some tips there. Representative Sheila Jackson Lee lost the election for mayor of Houston on Saturday. The member of Congress who represents a district in inner Houston lost the election to another Democrat. A white guy. That's probably difficult. Texas State Senator John Whitmire had secured a strong majority of 65% of the vote as of... Guys, 
That is a drubbing, drubbing 65% of the vote as of Saturday night. The lawmaker has represented a North Houston district in the state legislature since 1983, 40 years. Maybe that's the discussion we need to have. At some point, can you people move along? Well, Jackson Lee only got 34% of the vote. This is interesting. What was it? about this Whitmire guy who's been in the General Assembly there, the state legislature, for 40 years. What is it about this guy that that struck the voters more than Sheila Jackson's Lee toxicity? Well, if you can believe it, apparently Whitmire struck a more bipartisan tone in his campaign than Jackson emphasizing cooperation with the state's Republican elected officials and state legislature. You mean everybody's getting tired of this us versus them mentality because that means we the people are the ones who slip through the cracks? Apparently so. The more than 40-year veteran of the state legislature cited public safety, affordability, and infrastructure as the priorities for his administration. I'd like to ask Mr. Whitmire... Didn't you guys all just pass a a $1.9 trillion bipartisan infrastructure plan? Clearly you don't have needs for, I mean, infrastructure, right? What's going on, folks? Whitmire's focus on criminal justice aided in his broad support from independent and Republican-leading voters in the largely Democratic city, according to Politico. And there you have it. Somebody who believes that just because she's been there forever does not mean that you're qualified to continue failing upwards. Jackson Lee's loss could bring about the end of her own lengthy congressional career. The congresswoman who has served in the House for 28 years indicated that she would make a decision about running for re-election in the next two days. What more do you need to know? Your own area doesn't want you. Read the tea leaves, Sheila. It's not complicated. What you stand for is being rejected. What Dylan Mulvaney and the, oh, they're being so mean to me. I got death threats. Is being rejected. All of this nonsense going after Donald Trump. Rejected. As more than 60% of voters Democrats, Republicans, and independents now say that this entire legal catastrophe of four indictments and 91 criminal charges against Donald Trump is nothing more than smokescreen political retribution to make him unelectable. Your strategy, folks, has been rejected. See, there's always someone who's got your back, ladies and gentlemen. And in the case of Houston, it was 65% of somebody's. Oh, yes. Hour number two of the Wendy Bell Radio program is on tap. In today's You're Now Dumber Files, Al Gore. Oh, yes. Wait for it.